Adams, Adamly, Adamowski, Bueller, Burns, Burns, Burns. Time for School, Rock School, with your hosts, Dr. Joe Burns. And as a matter of fact, he wasn't on the toilet. They said that he was found lying on his left side in a fetal position, which means he got up and then fell back over. So that whole, he died in the bathroom, but he did not die on the toilet. Class is in. This is the Rock School Radio Show, right here on the Rock School Radio Network, broadcasting campus, Southeastern Louisiana University. No hurricane here yet. We had one go off to the left to Houston and one go off to the right to Florida. We, right here in Katrina country, yes, we dodged at least two bullets. And, you know, you hate to say that because there are people hurting on either side of us. Even though the weather's great outside, you you can't be too happy because there's too much agony going on on either side. Agreed. And uh, we're still not done. We're recording this show on September 10th, which is the height of hurricane season. And we've had a, a lucky... What is it? How many years? Uh, about three. Yeah, a yeah. lucky three years, and well, it started to come up again. But uh, we stayed dry here in the great state of Louisiana, and let's, so let's put some happiness out there. Sure, let's do a rock school radio show. What is the band that I am so angry at myself that I didn't get to see? We the, had a chance. Oh, the Stones. The Rolling Stones. Yeah. We were in Las Vegas, mm-hmm. and we were staying at New York, New York, and the concierge, because I said to him, what what concerts are going on around here? And he says, well, the Rolling Stones are across the street at MGM. <gasps> oh, my goodness. And he said, that's well, $200 per ticket. And I said, no. Do you vote that old phrase? Where I wouldn't walk across the street to see them? <laughs> yeah. I didn't walk across the street to see the Rolling Stones. Well, it was also, what, 20 years ago? Right. We didn't have the cash we do today. We're rich. $200 back then. It was a was, lot of money. It was a lot of it's money. A lot of money. I mean, that would have been $400. I believe the Stones are touring again or going, getting ready to tour again. We will go. I can't go to my grave. They're going to get that $200, yeah, huh? I cannot go to my grave having not seen the Rolling Stones. But that story got me thinking because every time the Rolling Stones play, at least now, there's, what, 12 people on stage and yep. a, an additional keyboardist. There's a couple extra guitarists. How many backup singers? Who and, knows? And all of that. But... The Rolling Stones are really only four people, mm-hmm. but there's all these additional people on stage. Does that bother you? Additional people? Yes. No. Does it bother you to know that some bands refuse to let you see the additional musicians? They hide them under the stage or over there? Yes. There was a time I had no... When when we were initially talking about this and you were telling me about backup singers and things like that being under the stage, I had no idea they were were like hiding people. It's not just backup singers. It's people who will take over parts and such. Because if you're a three-piece band like the, like the, uh, uh, the police... 
If you remember, on the Synchronicity Tour, they had all kinds of extra musicians on there. And I have no trouble with that. If that's what it takes to reproduce your yeah, music, do it. bring them but along. But let them be up, be up top. Um, you know, yeah, I agree. show me. And let me introduce them. Well, there's this entire kind of dark web group of people that play music called off-stage musicians. Ooh. And there's a lot of them. Very few speak. But those that do tell some fun stories. As a matter of fact, we'll start with Ozzy Osbourne right after we get back. The Pet Shop Boys were known for only being electronica-type people. Yeah. Well, the guitar doesn't go well with electronica. You, right. You really need a guitar because you do all of the intonation with your fingers. So the Pet Shop Boys used to tour with just them and a guitarist, but the guitarist was off stage. I don't know that I like that I or not. I don't like it at all. How about you in the audience? Does that bother you? That, we'll find out. I'm going to tell you more about offstage musicians here in a minute, right here in Rock School. Okay, coming out of the Pet Shop Boys, who took the guitarist and put him off stage. Again, you in the audience, would it have bothered you if you went to see the Pet Shop Boys and there happened to be an additional musician on stage, an additional guitarist? It wouldn't have bugged me. It wouldn't bug me at all. I expect it. Yeah, well, you too is touring again. As a matter of fact, there's a, a buddy of mine who has purchased one ticket. And I'm thinking about purchasing another one ticket, and the two of us. I mean, we're going to sit. A, we're going to sit away from each other at the concert, but we can have drinks beforehand, and we can meet afterwards. Absolutely, and, and text a, each other like girls in the middle. It'd be a really bad date, wouldn't it? There's this guy by the name of Robert Mason of Tempe, Arizona, and he sounds a lot like Ozzy Osbourne. He's one of the very few offstage musicians who will talk about it. Wait, Here's wait, the, vocal, vocally he Vocally, sounds? vocally. Oh, okay. You know, Ozzy can't keep up. It's, you know, he's not a young bird anymore. No, he's not. No. Well, here's the thing. This guy, Robert Mason, is a studio voice musician in L.A. And as a matter of fact, he fronted the lynch mob for a little while with George Lynch. But mostly he's behind the scenes. Well, he gets a call in the mid-1990s, like 1994, from Sharon Osbourne. Says, can you back up Ozzy Osbourne? And, and he said, you know, Ozzy Osbourne has backup music? Has uh -huh. backup singers? What? What are you talking about? I thought he did all his own stuff. When he gets out there, it's made known to him that Ozzy has trouble sometimes and needs to close his mouth, needs to get a drink of water, something like that. Gotcha. Because heavy metal is rough. No right. two ways about well, it. Well, he's been nasty to his vocals for a long time. You're probably right about that. So what this guy did, Robert Mason, and there was some negotiation and blah, blah, blah. But what happens is he is behind, as you're looking at the stage, on the right. He is behind that wall of amplifiers in a tent... <laughs> wearing a pair of headphones, listening to the concert, yeah. and there is also in front of him a little monitor scrolling the words, right. and what he does is perform the concert. And when Ozzy dumps out, yeah, he's they, there. Right, they swap to his, gotcha. his vocals. That bothers me. That Does that really bother you? Yep, it does. The fact that he's off stage. Uh, yeah, if he were on stage... You'd be better it, with I, it. I would be much better with it. Just put him up there like a backup singer. I agree. I, I wouldn't even. I wouldn't even know it. Right. But, but this, 
That's a lot of minutia trying See, to hide it. Seems sinister, Come doesn't on, it, Sharon, in some way? Put him on put him on the stage. <laughs> it, it seems sinister in some way. What I want to know is when he's singing, because he's he performs the whole concert. As they're playing, he sings, he does all of that. And when is needed, flip, they go to his mic. Yeah. Does he know they've gone to his mic? Yeah, good question. Does he call does him little, and ask him? Does a little red light come on? You're live. Oh, cool, huh? That's why he has to sing the entire concert. How about that? Oh, my goodness. Oh, there's more. And some of these are wonderful stories. This, is, this is all stuff I've never thought about. we got to talk Van Halen next, ladies and gentlemen. Oh, did you say know, it's not so. Did you know there's a Van Halen Night Ranger connection? Oh, yeah. Okay. No. But first, here's Ozzy. And it is Ozzy because it's a recording. I couldn't find anything that was live that I knew for a fact was Robert Mason. So what am I supposed to play? <laughs> Ozzy. Here you go. It's Ozzy on Rock School. You know, I wanted to point out as we're doing this, this is really part of a twofer. The, the idea of offstage musicians. Mm-hmm. While I was looking for offstage musicians, I also found the idea of bands using backup tapes. You know, the Millie Vanilli thing. Yeah. And you think to yourself, no. Well, nobody does that since yeah. Millie or a Vanilli. Lot of, a lot of people do it. It got mixed together, these two topics, the concept of offstage musicians yeah. and using tapes and singing to your tracks and things like that. So I found information on both and... Together, they made too much information for a show, so I have now two full shows. And next gotcha. week, we'll talk about tapes and all of that. And most people, when they think of tapes, they go, oh, wasn't that the 1970s when ELO got into trouble for using tapes? Yes. Was it done before that? Yes. But is that's it still really being done? Sure. Oh, oh no. like crazy. But I said there is a Night Ranger Van Halen connection. Uh-huh. Ready for what this? is it? Alan Fitzgerald. Now, you and I have seen Night Ranger live. And yes. by the way, they were great. You shut up. That was great. <laughs> they were really good. But anyway, Alan Fitzgerald, the guy who always wore a sort of a, a one-piece suit and the big aviator glasses yep. on stage. He was their keyboardist. He also played for Sammy Hagar, Montrose, and of course, Night Ranger. When you go to see Van Halen, as a matter of fact, it's, it's every single tour... Since they started using keyboards, he also was the keyboardist for Bruce Springsteen at the Devil and Dust Tour in 2005, and also offstage. But what he does is he sits under the stage monitoring the show and listening and waiting for cues. If you want, there are a couple videos out on YouTube where you can see Van Halen screwing up jump. No. Right. Because it's not to a track. It's to a human being. Now, it's not a massive flub, but mm, screwed up because this guy is playing. Now, some of you who are Van Halen fans say, wait a minute, on the 1984 tour, Eddie did play keyboards. Oh, yeah, he did. But who's playing the keyboard when he stepped out to play the guitar (laughs) solo? What, does it just keep playing? It's Hmm? magic. He said. So there you go. Alan Fitzgerald is the keyboardist. And I got to believe that he's not wearing the aviator sunglasses under the stage. And I don't want to play Van Halen for him. Yeah, I hate it. I hate to say this, but what a gig, huh? Yeah. Oh, he has to be one of the... On his side. He has to be one of the best paid keyboardists out there. Can you imagine? Oh, lovely. Wonderful. Here you go. It's, uh, well, let's do Night Ranger. That way he's on stage. Perfect. There you go on Rock School.
It is the first break here on Rock School. Let me list just a few of them for you. Black Sabbath used an offstage keyboardist at concerts for over 40 years, it says here. And Wait. his name was Adam Wakeman. Four zero? Yeah, it says here for 40 years. 40 years. Now, a lot of times what people say is, okay, why do they take these keyboardists and put them offstage? Well, some of the things that I found was that rock and roll is a guitar-based music. And a keyboard on stage doesn't really work. And I don't buy that in any stretch of my imagination. I if you, don't either. No, if you think of Deep Purple, that was half of the gig. If you yeah. think of The Doors, that was the gig. Exactly. You know, I get it. Robbie Krieger is wonderful. Densmore, wonderful. But The Doors, uh, Morrison, yes. wonderful. The Doors were the keyboards. Exactly. Okay, so don't tell me that keyboards don't, don't belong in rock. You know, I, I think it does. It says here, Terry Lawless has played offstage keyboardist for a well-known popular music quartet for years. However, he has signed a non-disclosure agreement and decided he wouldn't give an interview because he didn't want to lose his job. So there. Well, you got to keep the paycheck coming, right? Yeah, and you know, a lot of times keyboards are not out front. Mm -hmm. What they are fills. Yeah. You have this wonderful synth, this sawtooth, this something, while the guitars are bopping back and forth. And the guitar really is a percussive instrument. You're you're hitting it. Whereas these synths create this long, beautiful bed on which it can all sit. Well, it, this is this is sounding more and more like they just want to hide these people because they want to pay them for a service. And they really don't want them to possibly getting the same royalties that they are as a band. I don't know about that. No, I don't think so. I don't, don't think, think it's so? a it's not a point of paying them less. It's a concept of you paid to see Van Halen. How many people are in Van Halen? Four. If we throw a fifth one on stage, oh, that's going to be confusing. Oh, horse manure. About two songs in you go, and there's Bob back there on the keyboard helping us out today. Let's hear it for Bob. There, and everyone goes, yay, and nobody cares. Eric, Eric Clapton brings a truckload of people on yeah, stage that's right. with yeah. himself, and nobody cares. I, what do you know? I haven't even thought about caring. Avenged Sevenfold used offstage keyboards, and Robbie Gannett played offstage keyboards for a group called Saigon Kick during their 1991 tour. Uh, I'll give you one more. Judas Priest had an offstage drummer, and you say, but wait a minute, Priest has a full drummer. Yeah. Well, what they're talking about is electronic drums and triggering samples and things like that. Gotcha. That's what the guy was doing. Because a lot of their, you know, whoosh, that kind of stuff, mm -hmm. and metal gods, it goes, Oh, whoosh. absolutely. You can't do that on an instrument. No, you can't do a whip on an instrument. Gotta have the uh, gotta have the piece. We have a new affiliate, ladies and gentlemen, out there in Radio Land and yes, Podcastville. Indeed. Go ahead. Who is it? It's KNHS in Lafayette, Louisiana. Hot dog. What do you know about KNHS? Well, let me tell you a little bit. It is a student-run radio station. We all are. We're you all are? students of life. No, yeah. but they're like high school students. That's so. right. You know, go kids. And if I could return to high school, I certainly would do it. I would do it. You no, wouldn't. You wouldn't have dated never. me in high school. Well, I wouldn't go back life. to high school. Let's go to Facebook High School. Search Rock School Radio Show and like us. You really like us, and we'll take you to the prom. Okay. Back in a minute on Rock School. Of the break, keyboardist Brett Tuggle 
otherwise known as Tug. Ever Brett heard Tuggle. of him? No, I now, haven't. Again, Who is sesh- it? he's a session guy. However, he has been playing with Fleetwood Mac. He was an offstage pianist for Fleetwood Mac, which I find interesting because don't they have Christine McVie? Isn't she like one of the greatest? My assumption is while she is playing like a piano, he's putting the synth underneath. And while she's playing the synth, he's putting the keyboard under. I I don't know that for a fact. But what I want to talk to you about is the fact that he was David Lee Roth's off-stage keyboardist for his first two tours. Not the one with beautiful girls, not his EP, or California girls, not his EP, but Eat Him and Smile and then Just Like Paradise. And really? he was known as Tug. He would be the guy that would be <laughs> off stage. He'd play all the synth parts on things like Going Crazy and California Girls and all of that. And he was also the guy who recreated the Michael Anthony background vocals because nobody in the oh, David Lee Roth band could do it. Nice. Interestingly enough, in the second tour, the Just Like Paradise tour, right. he was at least referenced because Roth would turn around, point in his general direction, and yell, hit it, Tug. Well, you had to say the word Tug, right? Right, and he played Jump. He also co-wrote one of his one of David Lee Roth's biggest solo hits, Just Like Paradise. And you'll notice that this one is really synth-heavy. The second album went real synth-heavy, and it's probably because of this relationship that David yep. Lee Roth had with Brett Tuggle. So there you go, Brett Tuggle. You know Tuggle. what? I think we probably saw him in concert. I guarantee we we saw the first tour. Yeah, we did. There you have it. Good enough. Here's Brett Tuggle and uh, Just Like Paradise on Rock School. To the bottom of the hour, did you know on Broadway that there were also offstage musicians? There's different names for them. No. But yeah, there there are. They're either called ghost singers or pit singers. Oh, I like ghost singers. I, I was thinking pit singers was the better of them because you don't have the orchestra pit. Yeah. And they put the singers down in there or on a stage off, uh, off to the left, off to the right, something like that. It says here that Rock of Ages, the sort of rock and roll, if you will, Broadway show, yeah. had the largest cast of pit singers to this point on Broadway. Uh-oh. Neat, huh? Yeah. Okay, bottom of the hour. I'm Joe Burns. You I are? I am Tammy Burns. These are the rock and roll dates, September 11th all the way through September 15th. Pardon me, September 17th. 15th is very important to me, and I'll tell you why. It's I a, have it's, no idea. It's an apocal date in the uh, world apocal? of music. It really nice. is. You got Monday, September 11th. Go. <laughs> September 11th, 1980, Johnny Cash sings a duet of Jackson with Miss Piggy on The Muppet Show. September 12th, 2008, Mark David Chapman is denied parole for the fifth time. September 13th, 1973, Leonard Skinner releases, pronounced Leonard Skinner, their debut album. September 14th, 2012, John Giles, former member, of course, Jeff J. Giles, files suit against the band to stop them from touring under his name. Ooh, and September 15th, 1995. September 15th? Yeah. September Spanish 15th? pop what? duo. Is that Los Del Rio? No, it's Los Del Rio. It's Los Del Rio? Yeah. What's the difference in Los and Los? Los is masculine, Los is feminine, and that's two men, so it would be Los Del Rio. Ah, and, and of they... course, Rio 
is is masculine as well because it's got a zero. There's your Spanish lesson for the day, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you. Well, and they released the song, uh, the single Macarena. Hey, oh, oh, oh. Happy and birthday. also, wait, wait, wait. Yeah. September 15th is your yeah, birthday. That's right. I'm 27. So you're old. Again. September 16th, 1977, the king is dead. Aww. Elvis Presley dies at his home in Graceland as a result of an overdose from prescription drugs. No, he didn't. He died on the toilet. Yes, but it was because of Polypharm. And as a matter of fact, he wasn't on the toilet. They said that he was found lying on his left side in a fetal position, which means he got up and then fell back over. So that whole, he died in the bathroom, but he did not die on the toilet. September 17th, 1960, the Beatles start their run in the Indra Club in uh, Hamburg. So back to the music that we're talking about here, Muse. Muse on their tours, you could pretty much marvel that this small band can make all of this noise. Yeah. Well, they can't. There's a keyboardist behind the drums. Depending on where you're sitting, you will be able to see you that see keyboardist. It. That's right. So here's Muse on Rock School. Josh Groban is. Yes, I do. Yeah, he yep. uses an offstage guitarist on tour. I guess so everyone will focus on Josh Groban. But it's odd that you're looking at the stage and, hey, that's a guitar. Where's that coming from? You ask the question. and Go ahead, ask it again. You asked it off air, and I thought it was a really good question. Oh, I just wonder when they decide if, you know, when they're going to need all of these people to be on the stage with them. Is it when they're in the studio recording a, a new record and they're like, oh, God, we're never going to be able to reproduce this? Right. And they start thinking about it. Or is it when they go on tour? You know? Well, I'll tell you the thing. I, I, this is, I actually thought about that when I was putting together the content for this. I've seen Triumph live. Triumph is three guys. But when you listen to Triumph records, they're created so that it's really only three guys, three guys playing. Now, there are some synth parts in it, so maybe they did have a, a keyboardist under the stage or they played with tapes or what have you. But when I saw them, it seemed like it was just them. When I saw Van Halen and there was no keyboard part when you yeah. saw them, it was just those four guys on stage. So I guess it has to do with the question of when you're in the studio, do you think about whether this song can be performed live later on, or is it just, oh, the heck with it, create the best song possible, and we'll worry about how we do it live later on? I mean, Frank Zappa would make these huge orchestral pieces. There's no way you can play it live. So what they did is created this pared-down version of it. And when, it was fine. Yeah, when you listen to San Bernardino on mm -hmm. the record, yeah. it's really an amazing piece with lots of different instruments and lots of stereo separation. Live, it's not even the same song. I don't care for the live version of it. Hmm. It's not the same song because uh -oh. they don't have the, now, they don't now have the same stuff. Now you've started something else. No, there's nothing wrong with that. No, I, no, no, I know no. what you're saying. What, what, if, what if you go to see these guys and all of a sudden it's like, oh, God, I don't, I don't like the sound live. Well, it's a... Hmm. You know what I mean? If it's between not liking the sound and having an offstage musician, I want an offstage musician. But to be honest with you, I would so rather... They just simply said, look, there's three of us. We need these ec these extra eight people. Yeah. And you know what? We'd all clap for them. We'd all say, this is fantastic. This is great. MC Hammer was one guy. <laughs> but when he performed, there were 50-something people on stage. 
So my assumption is it has to do with, are you gonna write songs that you can reproduce later? Or you're gonna write a song and to Hades with how we're gonna produce it, create the best song. Right. And we'll worry about that later. I think that's really where it comes from. But it also bugs me that you would take a musician and just say, look, we're going to try and lie to the audience. And that's the way I feel it is that we're playing all this music, even though the audience is smart enough to go, hey, there's no synth player on the stage. Where's the synth coming right. from? Yeah. We got a new affiliate. Who is that affiliate? Ooh, that is KNHS in Lafayette, Louisiana. Fantastic. And Thanks once for again, running. what are they, babe? They are a high school radio station. Yes, indeed. And in fact, they were what? One of three operating in the... Uh, in the Louisiana, yep. The state at least of when they started a couple of years ago, they were maybe you know maybe they're like ten now. But Could be, but what a great school to go to. They're not all running the rock school radio show, so we only care about them. You guys are extremely lucky to have a high school that cares about radio. Ah, I think that's wonderful. Okay, back in a minute here on Rock School. Out of the break, here's another offstage musician who dared talk about the fact that he was an offstage musician. His name was Gary Corbett, and he was the offstage keyboardist for KISS in the (laughs) 80s and 90s. It was him, by the way, I mentioned earlier that somebody made the statement that keyboards weren't a rock and roll instrument, so get it off the stage. It's him that made that statement, that idea of, well, maybe we're just not rock and roll enough. Oh, mercy. Again, to which I say, you know, how about John Lord? People lost their mind over him. Yes, they did. And the doors and, okay, but fine. He says that he played all these synth parts and all these things for Kiss while behind Gene Simmons' wall of amplifiers. That's where he was. But they didn't have him in a tent or anything like that. He said the fun thing was during the song Reason to Live when the then Kiss guitarist Bruce Kulick would come out and play keyboards on stage and then he'd walk away and start to play a guitar <laughs> solo and just like Van Halen did no one uh, notice that the keyboard kept going? Oh, that's hilarious. He said the one time he recalled that people were really upset both on the tour and in the band when they were doing a Monsters of Rock tour and they have those cameras that are putting all the pictures up yeah. on the big giant screens. Yep. Well, somebody went around the left-hand side of the oh, stage yes. and caught him. And there he is singing and singing, doing oh, the stuff no. that he wants to And what are you going to do? It's not his fault. No. They, they put him back there. He was doing his and job. And you know, that you know he didn't have on makeup. No, he, he wasn't. Was, no. He wasn't like Goat Boy or no, anything exactly. like that. Exactly. He no. wasn't part of Kiss. Right. He was offered another gig playing off stage with, and this is going to break your heart, White Snake. Did you know White Snake used off stage musicians? No. I don't know how they could. When we saw them, they had what, there, six people out there? Was there was no more room. Yeah, they oh, were packed my, in they there. They were nice, huh? Right, but he turned it down in order to be on stage. He now plays with smaller groups and uh, probably won't have another hit, but I'll make you bet he made buku bucks when he played with Kiss. Oh, are you going to play uh, White Snake? No, no, no. I'm going to play. Why would I play White Snake? He didn't play with White Snake. Because you just talked about it. No. No, what I'm going to play is Reason to Live. That's the song he talked about, Kulik coming out and playing the keyboard and all that. Yeah, so here you go. It's Kiss on Rock School.
Okay, last break here on Rock School, and I have just a few more here for you. It says here, Derek Sherinian, S-H-E-R-I-N-I-A-N, Derek Sherinian, I guess, uh, played keyboards on stage with Billy Idol at one point in time. He did offstage for Kiss as well. Initially agreed to an interview, but then changed his mind. Uh-oh. I have to believe they signed contracts. You know, Billy Idol is a rock band. We don't have keyboards. Well, yeah. Yeah, you do. Billy, you do. Put him on stage. What? I don't understand the concern. Iron Maiden bass tech Michael Kenny has played keyboards and sample offstage forever for the metal icons. Uh I I don't think there's anything wrong with that. No, there's like a show going on with them though, right? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Michael's back there hitting all the buttons. Say (laughs) hi to Mike. Have him run on stage. Wave real quick. Come on back. People would love that. And here's the one we're going to end on. A guy named Terry Lawless toured with Irish superstars U2 for years playing keyboards off stage. And again, I don't know what's wrong with that. Why do why do I have to only see the four of the guys in U2? Bring Lawless up. He was asked to comment for the LA Weekly article and said that I'm sorry I signed a confidential a confidentiality agreement. How was he outed? Though that's How was the fun he thing. How was he? He didn't say it. Well, that guess who outed him? Who? Billy Joel. What? No, seriously. During a lecture and performance at the University of Massachusetts Lowell, Joel said to the crowd, "Quote: Bono's gonna kill me for this," <gasps> and then stated, "You know they have keyboardists underneath the stage. No, They've had him for years. It's this guy named Terry Lawless." No. <gasps> yeah. He even said the name. It was Billy Joel that outed the guy. Oh, my goodness. And what are you going to do? It's Billy Joel. You can fire Terry Lawless. What are you going to do, fire Billy Joel? No, I believe Billy Joel. You can't come to my concert. (laughs) There you go. He didn't want to come. Yep. Now, again, next week, I found two bits of information. This, the offstage musicians, and then bands who are still and have used tapes. It's not tapes. I get it. It's digital today. Backing tracks. But at that time, when Yellow got nailed... It was tapes. We just saw one of those bands. Don't say who it is, I but won't. we did, didn't we? I won't. And that's what we'll do next week. But this this will uh, wrap it up. We'll play you two to finish it up. And you really? know what? I may buy. I'm not playing White Snake. Oh, come on! Anything to play, not a White Snake, right? <sighs> You're becoming the female equal to my Van Halen, you know, <laughs> obsession. So we'll finish with you two, and I may go ahead and buy a ticket to you two and go with my buddy. I'm Joe Burns. I'm Tammy Burns. And uh, somebody's off stage. We'll push the button to play you two, and uh, that'll finish it. Glasses dismissed. <laughs>